Hello, my name is Michael, and you're listening to Pharma CR. Welcome to the second part of our OTC series. In this episode, we have invited some special guest pharmacists to share their OTC ideas and advice. First, we have Salima Badani in to discuss a new OTC option for smoking cessation. And then Roger Ma will be giving us some tips on managing nicotine patch skin reactions. The intended audience of this program is healthcare professionals. Please contact your healthcare provider for specific advice. I'm not trying to save Salima is the Director of Pharmacy Innovation at Whole Health Pharmacy Partners and founder of a new YouTube channel dedicated to sharing pharmacy-related knowledge called Hey Pharmacist. Hello, everyone. Michael, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I'm happy to be here. So Salima has a fantastic five-minute video about Crave on her YouTube channel, but in this episode, we're going to have a more in-depth discussion, taking a closer look at the studies and comparing it to other options and trying to understand its place in therapy. That's right. So what's the Crave about Crave? Well, uh, Crave is a new smoking cessation product uh, that just made its way to the Canadian market. And it is an over-the-counter product, although it's technically a natural health product and it's registered under Health Canada and has an NPN number of its own. Okay, so tell us about what the active ingredient is in Crave and where does it come from? The active ingredient is called cytosine. And it's a plant-derived alkaloid that naturally occurs in a plant called the Golden Rain, which is native to Europe. Although this may be a new drug here in Canada, it's actually been used in Europe and Central Europe for over 50 years. Uh, The reason we probably haven't seen it is because, you know, there's little incentive for pharmaceutical companies to conduct large placebo-controlled trials and bring the product to Canada since the active ingredient is a natural compound and thus can't be patented. But it finally made its way to Canada thanks to a pharmacist uh, whose company called Zed Farm uh, brought it here, and they are based out of Waterloo. So how does cytosine work in helping people to stop smoking? Cytosine is structurally and functionally similar to varenicline, aka Champix. And like varenicline, cytosine structure is similar to nicotine. And so it acts as a partial agonist of our nicotinic acetylcholine receptors with a high affinity for the main receptor that mediates the central reinforcing effects of nicotine by dopamine release in the brain. And so by acting on these receptors, it's thought to help patients quit smoking by reducing the severity of withdrawal symptoms and by reducing the reward and satisfaction associated with smoking. Can you tell us about the studies conducted on cytosine and how well does it work? Well, even though it's been used in Europe since the 60s, there actually haven't been many studies. The first large randomized control trial was published in 2011, so not too long ago, in the New England Journal of Medicine. And this study randomly placed 370 participants who smoked 10 or more cigarettes daily to either cytosine or placebo. And after 12 months, so after a year, the cytosine's group 12-month abstinence rate was 8.4% compared to 2.4% in the placebo group. Thus, cytosine was found to be 
3.4 times more effective than placebo. So that's pretty impressive to have a 3.4 times greater abstinence rate at one year over placebo. But how does it compare to other smoking cessation options? Well, in 2014, an open-label non-inferiority trial was published also in the New England Journal of Medicine. The study was conducted in New Zealand, and just over 1,300 adult daily smokers were recruited through a smoking uh, quit line. And they were randomly selected to either receive cytosine or your traditional nicotine replacement therapy. And I should note that the participants received an average of three calls of 10 to 15 minutes each from the quit line advisors over a period of eight weeks. Okay, so that's not too unlike the smoking cessation counseling that pharmacists provide in Ontario. What were the results of the study? Well, they found that cetazine was not only non-inferior, but actually showed superior effectiveness over nicotine replacement therapy. At one month, continuous abstinence, the rate was 40% in the cetazine group, compared to 31% in the nicotine replacement group. A longer-term quit rate with cytosine was also superior at 22% versus 15%. Okay, so we now have evidence to say that cytosine is more effective than placebo and nicotine replacement therapy. What about varinoclin, which works in the same way as cytosine? Unfortunately, Michael, I can't give you a clear answer on that yet. However, there are two trials underway that will compare varenicline to cytosine directly. So once that does get released, I'll be able to tell you more definitively how they compare. Okay, so what about side effects? With varenicline, there's always been a concern of GI side effects and sleep disturbances. How does cytosine compare to varenicline in that regard? Right, so because the mechanism of action is very similar to varenicline, unfortunately the side effects are also. So you have that nausea, vomiting, and sleep disorders that have been reported with cytosine as well. In that 2014 study, side effects were almost twice as common in those taking cytosine versus nicotine replacement therapy. However, most of the reported side effects were mild to moderate in severity. So we also see in this, uh, we also saw this in the 2011 study where the rate of discontinuation or dose reduction was not too different between the two groups at 6.2% in the citizen group versus 4.6% in the placebo group. Okay, there's also the psychiatric warnings associated with verniclin, well, at least in Canada. In the US, the FDA has actually rescinded their black box warning on verniclin, but we won't get into that right now. Would cytosine be a better option in patients with a history of psychiatric disorder? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, so in both the 2011 and the 2014 study, they actually excluded participants with psychiatric disorder. But recall that a lot of these psychiatric side effects reported uh, were found in post-market analysis. So I urge all pharmacists to tell their patients who are starting on Crave that it works in the same way as other medication, which has these warnings. Okay, uh, let's talk about how patients are supposed to be taking cytosine. I think one of the greatest advantages of cytosine over others is it's only a 25-day treatment period. However, it does have a somewhat complicated tapering schedule. It is a bit confusing. And so the patient is to take one capsule six times daily, so that's every two hours, and they're supposed to reduce the number of cigarettes smoked for the first three days. The regimen then changes after the fifth day, and the patient takes fewer capsules leading up to the last day of treatment, which is day 25. 
It is important to note that on the fifth day of treatment, smoking cessation should have occurred. So the patient should have stopped smoking by the fifth day. I would say that I've checked other product monographs for citizens in the other countries that it's available, and they say that if the treatment is unsatisfactory the first time, then it's to be discontinued. So if your patient is actually not able to to get off the cigarettes, then um, they may actually make another attempt in about two to three months. But this Crave doesn't say that. I'm just reading that from the other monographs um, available in other countries. Okay, so my next question is, how do you get access to this medication? Because at the time of this recording, um, I'm not able to order it from my distributor. No, so you can't order it from your distributor yet, but you can order it directly from the manufacturer, so Z Farm. You can go to their web- website, zfarm.ca, and contact them. Patients in Ontario can also order the product directly from the website, although it costs $50 plus tax and then $8 for shipping. I think that's one of its greatest strengths when comparing Cetazine to other smoking cessation products. It's that it costs only $70 a treatment, whereas other options such as varenicline and nicotine replacement therapy can add up to hundreds of dollars. And if your pharmacy is not stocking it and you live in Ontario, you can get your patients to order it online. Anything else to add, Salima? One of the most commonly asked questions about this product so far has been, can the patient take nicotine replacement therapy while on Crave? And if you think about it, I mean, you have to ask yourself, why are they doing that? Because when you think about the mechanism of Crave, it's blocking your nicotine receptors, but then you're giving the patient nicotine replacement therapy. Uh, You know, there's no real contraindication to it. There's nothing that says that you can, but you would just have to really consider why are you advising the patient to take both. If it has to do with that hand-to-mouth, for example, habit sensation and you're giving the patient the inhaler, then perhaps that's a way to justify it. I'm not saying that it is, but you really have to look at the mechanism of the two and, and think to yourself, does it make sense for the patient to be using both? That's why I always go through the why test when I do my smoking cessation counseling because it helps patients identify and understand all the reasons why they smoke beyond just the physical dependency. I tell patients that the medication will take care of the physical withdrawal, but that is only one out of seven urges to smoke. Most physical withdrawal symptoms are actually gone after two weeks. So if they are relapsing after a few weeks, it's not because of nicotine withdrawal. So when you are conducting your smoking cessation counseling, make sure to address all the other factors besides whether or not they're taking uh, verenicline, cytosine, or any other therapy uh, to maximize their success rate. And I guess that's a good point to end on. Thank you for joining us, Salima. Thanks for having me. Please consider clicking on the link for Hey Pharmacist in the comments section below and subscribe to Salima's channel. Her videos are only 5 minutes long, so they are a fantastic way to keep up to date. Also, I'm happy to announce the first ever Pharmacy R Meetup will be at Logos Corner in Toronto on Sunday, November 5th from 1 to 5 p.m. I will be there working on more pharmacy art content and you can come help me work on them or just come say hi and try probably the best momos in Toronto. All the details 
will be on our Facebook page. So now we're going to have Roger Ma joining us to give us some tips on managing a fairly common problem of nicotine patch dermatitis. Hi Mike, thanks for having me on the show. Roger Ma runs a social media platform for pharmacists called Clinileave. The link to the site will be in the comments. Uh, They have a very active community of pharmacists sharing blogs and articles and it's a great way again to keep up to date on what's happening in healthcare. So Roger, a patient comes into your pharmacy claiming to have an allergy to the adhesive on their nicotine patches. What should we do? Well, the first thing you can do is to make sure that they're using the patch properly. The patch site should be rotated so that they're not applying to the same general area each time. Also, it should be applied to hairless, clean, and dry skin. The patch can be applied anywhere above the waist and below the neck. For certain patients, they may need to consider which areas of the body they have less perspiration. Sometimes it's the perspiration that gets trapped in the patch during the day, and this causes a lot of the irritation. Now let's say we've determined that they are using the patch properly, and they're still getting that rash. What can we do next? Well, if there's still a rash, then we can try to determine if it's irritant contact dermatitis or allergic contact dermatitis. If it's the latter, then we may have to change to another brand of patches. That patient may be allergic to the adhesive or some other component. If it's irritant contact dermatitis, which is much more common, then it's not an allergy, thus not an antibody-mediated reaction. This means that there are a few other things that we can do before switching brands. Okay, so what are some ways we can tell the difference between allergic and irritant contact dermatitis? There's a few things we can ask. First, if the patient describes it as burning and tingling at the site of application, this is a sign of an irritant response. Secondly, we can check if the rash has a well-defined border. An allergic reaction will have more diffuse or even systemic symptoms. Thirdly, we can ask if the reaction improves dramatically when the patch is removed or if it continues to get worse. Allergic reactions can continue to worsen and spread after the allergen is removed. The severity of the rash can also be a deciding factor. Irritant dermatitis should not have blistering or swelling. For nicotine patch irritant dermatitis, the reaction usually alleviates within an hour. So one thing you can do is recommend putting an ice pack over a newly applied patch for an hour. You may also see some physicians prescribe corticosteroid inhalers off-label to be sprayed on the site prior to application. However, unless the patient has asthma or advanced COPD, they may not have a corticosteroid inhaler ready, and the cost of them can be a significant factor. Applying 1% hydrocortisone before and after may be a better option. To ensure adhesion, patients need to wait until the cream has completely dried before applying the patch. Another source of irritant contact dermatitis is certain soaps or cleansers that they use before applying the patch. Cleanser residue can get trapped underneath the patch and cause local irritation. So in summary, don't always assume a nicotine patch rash is an allergic reaction. A lot of these tips can be applied to nitroglycerin patches or other transdermal patches as well. 
And I'd like to uh, thank both Salima and Roger for coming on the show. And that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening.